Thanks for coming back. This is the Millennial Outliers podcast. I'm your host, Justin Deal. My co-host, Tyler Ardron, is not with us today. Uh, he has some pretty amazing things going on both uh, personally and professionally, but I'll save that for him to share, and I'm sure we'll do an uh, episode on that. But today, friends, very, very excited and stoked for this. Actually, I'm sure I'll be re-watching so I can take notes as I'll be here interviewing and can't jot them down now. I have a very good friend of mine uh, with us today. This is going to be a masterclass for any of you out there who you want to get involved in social media. You have things you're passionate about. You see all these people that you assume, you know, just happened overnight, right? It was one viral video. Matt is going to break down how he went from being a gym teacher to being a social media influencer with more than 5 million followers on all his platforms, being on TV shows creating uh, channel partnerships, and just all the opportunities that come from networking, from showing up consistently, and just you know, from being a man of your word. Uh, so with my, it's my pleasure to introduce Matt Grork, a.k.a. The Meat Teacher, a.k.a. Grork Boys Barbecue. <laughs> Matt, welcome, brother. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate it, man. This is a, this is a sit-down that's long overdue, man. I think, uh, you know, we've been following each other and, you know, friends for, for over a decade, but um, in this kind of grind that we've been on both of us, you know, over the years. I know we've both been, you know, huge supporters of each other. And uh, yeah, so to sit down and, and shoot this back and forth is going to be fun, man. It's ironic you say shoot, because that's actually where we, we <laughs> I met. See what I so did there. <laughs> very quick backstory, Matt and I actually met on the basketball court. Uh, Matt was a bit of a sharpshooter in his day, and we would go back and forth trading buckets, but always respected Matt because he's one of the few people call him dumb or call him brave, <laughs> but he would step up and he would take a charge, whether it was the 280-pound version of myself in good shape or the 320-pound fat version I went through. Matt was brazen enough. He would step up and, you know, real recognizes real. You got to respect that. Uh, and that's kind of where our relationship blossomed from. And, yeah, you know, I knew he was a teacher within our community, which was fantastic. And I started to see more of his social media posting. And he was very passionate about barbecue. So I want to let you take it from there. So how how did something I assume that you just did to kind of keep your peace, right, from crazy weeks with, uh, you know, your students to then, you know, Nash and Adric, your boys, juggling you know, your wife, Kristen, like how did becoming a social media influencer, how does this even happen? Yeah, it's 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 a wild ride, man. But I think, you know, it probably happens, happened a lot like, like most, you know, um, may have similar stories that you – you so many of us don't find a real passion until we're a little bit older right i mean for me i got into teaching a little bit later i was 26 when i started teaching um in washington township been fortunate to be there my whole career you know 20 years just ended you know so it's kind of crazy to think i've been doing that that long and then uh i've always cooked i've always been around kitchens i've worked in restaurants my entire life as a teacher I always tell people when I tell this story, I've never just had one job, you know, I think since I was 16. I've always had multiple jobs, multiple things I was juggling, um, you know, to make money early on. And, um, you know, with teaching, it was no different. Teachers just, you know, be straight up about it. Don't necessarily get paid maybe what they deserve. And mm -hmm. I think the majority think that. Uh, yes, we have summers off, and that's what people love to say, right? Yeah. How can you say you don't get paid enough? You have three months off or two months off in the summertime. And my answer to that is go talk to a teacher and let me know how many of them don't work in the summertime, mm -hmm. right? Because they don't. They, they, they don't have that luxury. We don't have that luxury. The majority of us have other jobs. So from the time I was 26, I mean, I, I was waiting tables in restaurants since, two, you know, since I was 19, 20, um, working at Lone Star Steakhouse on the Black Horse Pike, right? You go, yeah. you know, you see the line dancing and throwing the peanuts on the ground. Mm -hmm. Like that was my first bar, you know, wait, waiting tables, bartending job. And uh, that that was really what I did up until, God, my early 30s. You know, I was just in restaurants, waiting tables. I was never in the back of the house where the food is. I was always in the front of the house serving, um, which, you know, adds to, is part of dealing with people and learning how to socialize and, and make relationships mm -hmm. and um, give good impressions. And, you know, that's carried over into my teaching because I'm in front of kids all, all year long, you know, um, that 
public speaking aspect of things. So, so many advantages of it, but, you know, went from waiting tables, uh, coaching basketball, um, doing uh, driver's ed, you know, mm-hmm. three, six hours at a time behind the wheel with a 16-year-old teaching him how to drive, risking my life. I was say, that sounds scary. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> nuts, dude. So it was a great job too. And But but I never just had one job, basketball camps in the summer, all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's it's always been, there's always been so much going on. I, I love teaching. I loved doing the driving. Um, you know, I loved waiting tables, but they were all jobs, mm-hmm. right? So <clears throat> fast forward, I'd say we're what, 2024 now. Uh, it's, God, I was, I would say 2016-ish, mm-hmm. 2017. Um, my, I've always tailgated, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm a season ticket holder for the Eagles, whether it's an Eagles game, Phillies game. I've always been like a big, let's get there early and mm-hmm. tailgate and cook and drink and hang out and have a good time. I've always been that way. We've had season tickets since 2001 um, when when the link first opened. So we've been longtime season ticket holders, and I kind of adopted early on uh, before I kind of got into the grilling thing that I would handle the tailgate, right? My older, my younger brother and my dad and my older brother would They'd pack the coolers. They'd make sure we were hydrated throughout the throughout the day. My dad would go pick up snacks and little things like that, but I would handle the food. And, I, and when, when I say handle the food, I like there was we had breakfast, we had lunch, we had a, a pregame snack, and then we had the entree before we went into the game, which was usually ribs or a tomahawk or you know all these these grill items. So I really got into it and learned. But at that time, there wasn't short video. There wasn't you know, YouTube was around, but it wasn't, you know, what it is now with with food creators and content. So a lot of it, I was just kind of winging on my own. But that's where the passion started mm-hmm. is in the parking lot at Lincoln Financial Field, tailgating and feeding people. Right. Because even though it was just me, my dad and my brothers, people would be walking by and be like, what the hell's going on over there? Like, you yeah, know, smoker going, grill going. Yeah. Right. So I would feed all kinds of people. If I had the food, I'm feeding you. Like, you know, that's just the way it is. And uh, that that part of it got to be a routine and expectation, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of prep. But I I started really catching a bug for it. So fast forward to about 2017, 18, um, my father in law actually dropped off. We had we had dog sat for them. My 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 mother in law and father in law, we, we dog sat for them for a weekend. And when they came home. John, he he had this box and he dropped it in my kitchen and it was just a little, you know, 32 inch like box master built smoker, mm. electric smoker, propane smoker. And I had never smoked anything before in my life. Um, and I'm like, what, what is this? He was like, oh, I just want to say thanks here. You can have it. It's been in my garage. I ordered it six months ago, never even opened it. I'll never use it. So he's like, I'll give it to you. Figured he'd give it to me and maybe I would play with it and maybe he'd bear some fruit, right? Yeah. Get some food. So sure enough, that night I unboxed that thing. I put it in my backyard and I went to Sam's Club and I bought almost every kind of protein you could imagine. I bought wood chips. I was on line figuring out how to smoke, how to run the smoker, reading up. I was soaking my wood chips overnight because that's what you that's what I read that you're supposed to do. I went at, you woke up at 4 a.m. the next morning and I'm not a big morning person as much as crazy as that is being a teacher. Um, you know, I woke up at like 3, 4 a.m. I start prepping all the meat. I season it. I take it all outside. I throw everything on the smoker. Some of it was decent. Most of it was probably trash, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of, you know, in the grand scheme of what it should have tasted like. But that fire was lit, man. And at the time, it was so much more than the food. It was the fact that, man, I was up at 4 a.m. I was out front. I was out back. You know, I had my coffee. I'm sitting there. I still have a picture on my phone to this day because my wife woke up. Kristen woke up and snapped a picture of me through the window. And I'm like sitting in the chair, coffee in my hand, smoke bellowing out of the smoker. And I guess it would just look like a peaceful moment. And yeah. she snapped a picture. And um, that's what it was for me, man. That's that's what really lit the fire is that sense of calm, the peace, the, you know, playing with fire. It's very, you know, it's, it's old school, man. Mm-hmm. And it's a process and you have to learn it and it's a challenge. And 
um, that's what I really took to. So that's what started it, man. It kind of yeah. took off from there. Um, I love so, a few po points that you made there. One, obviously, the fact that a random gift, right? Like your father-in-law had no idea none. that that was literally going to be a pivotal moment mm -mm. in the future. Two, I love your philanthropic heart. You've always, you know, since we've known each other, that I think we even had a conversation at one point when you kind of started as a business because you were you're always donating everything that you made. And I was like, Matt, you have to keep some of the money. You have to stop. Like you would host an event, you'd be like, no, I'm giving it all away. And, and I love that about you because yeah. it is about the greater good of everybody. You just like to feed people. That's what it's about. It's not about the monetization of any of it. Um, but let's go into the actual content creation, right? Because I think most people, the big stigma out there, right, is that like you need a team, you have to you have to spend all this money on this fancy equipment, you need editing tools, you need all of these things. Yeah. So tell people, how, how do you create your content, man? Man, I like right here, man, this is yeah. it. Like I have never, you know, for someone that has the amount of followers I do, um, I would venture to say the majority have some sort of setup, mm -hmm. right? They have some sort of two to $3,000 camera with a boom mic and lighting and, and all this stuff, right? And you're talking of the potentially tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Yeah. And I have plenty of friends that have that whole setup and it shows. Mm -hmm. Their content shows that. You can see. You look at my content, you look at their content. It is obviously different, obviously more edited, more crisp, more pretty, more staged, you know, and I get that. But I I got into this and blew up because of this mm -hmm. on my phone, making content that was in my house, in my backyard. And a lot of my cooking, I'm, I'm not just sitting behind the counter in my kitchen in one space where a lot of these content creators are. Um, I'm, I'm in my house, I'm in my backyard, I'm going to the grill, I'm doing all these different things. Um, it was just so convenient and so easy to have what we have in our hand with these phones and the quality, um, you know, I'm going to post a video later today and I, I was watching it, editing it. And I'm like, man, this looks really good mm. for being on a phone. And the quality of video that these phones take is like insane and yep. it's only getting better. So really is all the only thing I've really invested in is is like a mic, okay. you know, a, a good lav mic. And that's what you do your voiceovers. With? That's how I do okay. my voiceovers. Um, DJI is, is a company that most are familiar with. Um, they do drones. They do uh, video, audio stuff. Um, gimbals, you mm -hmm. know, is all I have is a gimbal and and a mic set from from DJI. And, and that's just so I have better sound, ASMR kind of stuff, you know, something really nice about when you're, you know, slicing mm -hmm. into a brisket or slicing it where you hear the meat. You oh, know? Yeah. Um, and that goes a long way in terms of content. But I think that my virality, not only the topic of some of my content, you know, the funny, sarcastic stuff that some people take not so sarcastic, like mm -hmm pretending to feed my wife, you know, my vegetarian wife meat. And she is vegetarian. People ask me all the time, oh, she's not vegetarian. You're just, it's just a joke. I'm like, no, she is. She's been vegetarian since she was 13. Yeah. I've never seen her eat a piece of meat. Um, and she does not eat my meat that I cook. Yeah. Um, it's all staged. It's a joke, but people don't know that. And when you create controversy, controversy, it pushes your content and mm -hmm. you know there's no better example than me in that series that I did but um I think my my content took to people because it wasn't so staged and mm -hmm. perfect and you know I was holding my phone it was maybe a little shaky it had you know my dogs running and barking in the background mm -hmm. a cat on the counter my kids yelling and interrupting me all those things have become a big part of my content and mm -hmm. I think that it's very real it's authentic um you know, and and I think that's a big part of it. I don't see myself really changing the, any of that in yeah. the near future until I get to a point where maybe I have a different setup at home. My my house just isn't set up for it mm -hmm. either, so that's a part of it as well. But um, I mean, shoot, if it's not broke, why fix it, right? Amen. Like, that's so. what, I mean, authentic is definitely the word I think of when I see your content. And one thing I noticed, I was thinking of it this morning, is to your point that you do the voiceovers and 
it seems like everybody else on social media does the words on the screen. And I noticed yeah. you don't you don't typically do that. Yeah. So on occasion, I will. There's I, I've started to as of late, um, really as a recommendation from the platforms themselves. Right. So I'm fortunate to be in touch and part of the YouTube creator team, um, the Instagram meta creator team. I have a meta manager that I can call at the drop of a hat that we have meetings monthly to talk about best practices and things like that. That's awesome. I never really did do captions mm -hmm. like my own captions. There's an app called Caption. Yeah, I use that, that And one. it's great. It's mm -hmm. it, They've become so insanely accurate mm -hmm. that the, the I remember even as, as, as much as six months ago, it would take, you would have to spend 20 minutes editing the captions mm -hmm. after it read your voice. Now it's like I, I could do a caption and I talk fast and I talk loud and I might have a little bit of an accent and slang. Mm -hmm. It picks up everything, man. Yeah. At the most, if you use a word that maybe could be spelled a couple different ways, you might have to edit. I mean, I spend two minutes editing the captions on mm -hmm. some of these videos, but I've never really done it that way. It looks better because it has different types of font and, mm -hmm. and a look. So and colors, I've, emojis. Right. Like, so the video I, I'll post today, I made a beer can chicken. And it's a great video and it's a brand, you know, there's a couple brands on there that I'll tag that I work with. And um, I did the I did the uh, captions on caption on the caption app and it looks great. I've been, you know, e all these apps also have adopted their own caption, mm. you know, AI or whatever, where they um, they automatically do it and you can't edit the their in app captions. Mm. <clears throat> so I know I can go on TikTok. And the captions can be on there, you know, hearing impaired, it's huge. Mm -hmm. But even more so than that, the reason people are, are encouraged to use captions is because how often, let's say you're in in route to work, you're at work, you're at lunch, you're doing something on the computer, but you're flipping through social media. Mm -hmm. Do you have the audio on? Right. You know, I think it's pretty proven that like 80% of the time people watch content, they're not listening to audio. Yeah. So to have that caption on there that's created by you in the way you want it to be and the way you want it to look goes a long way in people staying engaged in your content because that is 98% of the battle is getting people to watch beyond that first three seconds. Mm -hmm. right, if you don't if you don't grip people up after that after three seconds, you're done. Yeah. You have 58 second video or a four minute YouTube video that has a eight second watch time. Well, right. that's your answer right there. Mm -hmm. Why it didn't go viral, or oh, my video sucked. It didn't get views. Well, look at look at the analytics. Yeah, that's what they're there for. Right. Look at them. You don't have to be so strict that you're posting the same time every day and all this. Oh, I posted three hours before I posted yesterday. That's mm -hmm. why it didn't work. No, it's because your video wasn't good enough. Right. It's because you didn't have a catch. You didn't have something that pulled them in in the beginning. When I say. Feeding my vegetarian wife meat without her knowing she's eating meat yeah. pulls Everybody's people watching. in. That's yep. why the watch time works. That's why it's viral. Mm -hmm. I had another viral series that was Does It Smoke? Mm -hmm. And this was like a few years ago. I was just putting, I had take a cup of coffee and smoke it. Yeah. Like, does smoked coffee taste good? And that was my catch. That was my first three seconds. Mm -hmm. I would take someone's comment. I would put it in my video. I would look at it and go, oh, coffee. Does it smoke? Yeah. And people be like, oh, shit. Oh, he's going to smoke coffee. Like, let's watch it. So if you don't, and it can go to any niche, mm -hmm. like whatever, if you don't have a, a, a pull, a buy-in in that first three minute, three seconds, your video is not going to do well. Yeah. And, you know, that's the way it is. My video today, I hope it does well. You know, I, I, think, tells me I think I got something in the first few seconds where, yeah. you know, I'm pulling this big chicken off, off a beer can and it's dripping and it's, you know. It's sensual. It's kind of dirty. It's kind of, yeah. you know, but people are also going to look at it and be controversial. Mm -hmm. That beer can's aluminum. It's got paint on it. It's got all these things and you're smoking it. That can't be healthy. People are going to come back and yell at me for that. You yeah. know, um, I made sure in the in the beginning of my video to say, don't wash your chicken. Right. Because that was a big thing that, yeah. that I kind of got going viral when I told people not to wash their chicken. Um so it, it's a, it's 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 trial and error, man. The more, and at the end of the day, the more content you put out, the more chances you have to go viral. People, 
think too much about, okay, should I post once a day, once a week, three times a day? I mean, you do what you can do. Mm-hmm. Like I, I could never post two or three YouTube, full YouTube videos a week. That's just too much. I don't have the time. Eh. But, you know, more is better at the end of the day in, in my experience. And biggest takeaway, people, the analytics, right? If you're not measuring it, you can't grow it. You don't even know what you're doing. You're just throwing that noodle against the wall, hoping it sticks. <laughs> and these That's- analytics are so detailed now. You know, you can you can pull up your YouTube, your Instagram, your TikTok, whatever it is, and you can see to the minute, to the second, what when people are watching, when they're dropping off, what you did at that point when when they dropped off, and you can work on those things just like anything, just like you know your jump shot. Yeah. <laughs> now you had mentioned brands uh, as we were just talking, so why don't we jump over to? I see that you're collaborating. It seems like with everything and everybody who has anything to do with the barbecue business. So how have you created these channel <laughs> partnerships? You've even created some companies that your owner in. How, how did that all come to fruition? Like, what's the roadmap for that? So once I got to, I'd say on TikTok is my biggest platform, right? Almost, I think, three and a half million of my followers are on TikTok. Um, my other platforms are doing great. They're all growing. Snapchat, few hundred thousand on there, which is a platform that people don't even really realize. That's, just, that's but, one I rarely use. So right. That's, yeah. Because it was... Just like TikTok, when mm-hmm. it first came around, it was an app for kids. You know, we all know what Snapchat was for yeah. early yeah, no on. Doubt. No doubt. You know, there's an <laughs> elephant in the room about that. Everybody knows what Snapchat was for. I'm a high school teacher. I know exactly what it was for yeah. with these kids and why they were using it. Um, it's changed. You know, they there's certain, you know, parental things that are involved with Snapchat now. There's they have limitations. Their safety guidelines are much better. Um but they have created a space now for creators too, and for creators to monetize and get brand deals, just like all the other platforms. So, you know, Snapchat from a monetization standpoint is probably in my top three, you oh, know, wow. platforms, which is surprising for most people. Yeah. Um, but it, I'd say when I got up to like six figures mm-hmm. followers, when I was up around 100,000, 200,000, 500,000, that's when I started getting reached out to by, uh, representation mm-hmm. companies, uh, agents, we'll say. So um, once I, I think I was around 800, 750 when I signed with my current agency, um, Digital Renegades, Evan Morgenstein, owner, CEO, Christina Brennan, president. They're just awesome. Um, I've been with them for, we're going on three years now. And, uh, you know, it's a two-way road. I don't sit back and expect them to just feed me, mm-hmm. you know, give me deals. I'm out doing my footwork, doing what I do, making connections, building relationships with brands or with whoever it is running the brand, mm-hmm. social media, you know, trying to connect with them. I'm looking at brands that I want to work with. I have a list of my, you know, <laughs> my Your hit, my, list, so my hit list of of companies, my bucket list of people that I want to work with. And, you know, I, I keep shooting towards that. I've gotten on LinkedIn over the last year or so, because you want to talk about a way to really connect with people. It's hard on Instagram Mm -hmm. to DM someone and expect a response, especially now when, when I had the blue check and no one else did, I could, I could DM an athlete or DM an artist or someone and and usually get a response because they see the blue check. Mm -hmm. Well, now everyone has it because you can buy it. They've monetized that part of it, which is a shame, but it's a little more difficult to get a response now, even if you do have the blue check, but your numbers speak for itself. So, um, but I've used LinkedIn a lot to connect with brands because now you're not just dealing with a 22 year old social media intern Mm -hmm. that doesn't make any decisions for the company. You're now finding the CEO of the company Mm -hmm. and messaging them. So there's a little tidbit of of advice if you're a social media creator, an influencer per se, and you want to make connections with brands, get your ass on LinkedIn, right? If you have to pay for it to DM someone, you might have to if it's a high-level CEO or a, a, a marketing manager, pay the pay the monthly $15 a month or whatever it is to be gold status on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and send those DMs. It's like Gary V. Yeah. You know, it's like it might take a thousand messages, but 
It only takes one, mm-hmm. you know, and depending on where you are, one brand deal could set you up for the year, you know, in terms of what your goal might be in terms of money, sure. you know, now, but, um, well, with some of those brands, so do you, when the, like your hit list that you're talking about, yeah. Or do you tag them in things now just to get their attention as well? So they yeah. know like, oh, okay, Matt's using our stuff. Yeah. So that was always kind of a hot button point early on before I think a lot of people had the grasp on how to kind of go about getting brand deals. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of cold calls. There was a lot of DMs, you know, sneaking into brands, DMs. Let's just use, let's use Kingsford charcoal, mm-hmm. right? One of the, the OG of charcoal yeah. in barbecue. You know, I, I have a year-long partnership with them. They're amazing. It's been incredible. I use the brand anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've always used it. Um, it's been, you know, the majority of my, you know, this whole barbecue t- thing is, is I've just used Kingsford. It's just what I know. So to be able to partner with them is awesome. And, you know, people might be like, oh, well, I'm not working with them. They've never messaged me, so I'm not going to tag them in a video. Right? Well, it's kind of changed now. And I was there like, why am I going to tag them when I have 3 million followers and tag them? Mm-hmm. That's, that's giving them free promotion. Well, how about you build that relationship and that trust and that good faith? And Hey, I'm a fan. I'm not just a, an influencer. I hate that frigging word. And mm-hmm. I think brands hate it. Um, content creator has become more of like the, the word, the, the words that want to be used, but um, either way, why not take that hit list that you have and use them mm-hmm. and tag them and DM them and send it to them and, you know, do all those things. Is it free? Is it free promotion? Sure it is. But if they are the company that you hope they are, then they're going to come to you eventually and they're going to want to talk. Absolutely. And, and then it's then it's up to you and your team and, you know, whether you're going to be able to close the deal. You know, uh, I'm, I'm watching uh on netflix uh suits right yeah. now i just got yeah. hooked on suits so i'm in like season two and a half but harvey like the closer right like that's what he does my team evan and christina and all the other people behind the scenes they're like the harvey man they are the closers i'll start the relationship if a brand reaches out to me or i reach out to a brand or if they bring a brand to me I'll I'll start the initial conversation because I don't want you just dealing with my team and not knowing who I am. Yeah. Right. So I'll introduce myself. I'll talk. I'll get on a call. I'll do a Zoom, and and make sure that they get a clear understanding of who I am and how I work. I don't want one off one off brand deals. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't want you to pay me ten grand for me to shoot one video and post it. Right. It's not what I want. You want a partnership. I'd rather say no to that and get a partnership for a year for five grand a month, mm-hmm. you know, more money, more, more, you know, authenticity, more, you know, you're not just using a product mm-hmm. and being done with it. You're going to see the products I use being used on a daily basis in my content. It might be a post for Kingsford, but you're going to see my meter plus meter probe mm-hmm. in there. You're going to see my SNS grill in there. You're going to see other products in there that I use. Maybe it's not a specific brand deal video for them, but they're going to be in my video. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just not going to call it out. Mm-hmm. Right. But you're going to see it. So there's so many ways to play this game, man. And I think that's what I've learned. It's been trial and error. I've learned from so many amazing creators that I've gotten to be friends with. Um, even the camera stuff, man, little camera tricks, little editing tricks you can do transitions, you know, to kind of spice up your stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that's kind of how it's been. I love the overall mindset of that because, right, that's like that's a business mindset. When I walk into rooms, it's not what can I get out of it. It's what can I bring? What can I give to this room? And that's your point on social. It's not like, oh, well, you know, they haven't paid me. So why would I? Right. I want to give. Right. You have five million followers. So the easiest thing that you can do is give them a little shout out. Now they know, hey, okay, Matt uses our stuff. He's giving us this free advertisement. And that's how you build rapport with people and the social rapport. Right. It's like you prove your value before. Like that, I think that's the common misconception of business. Like, oh, well, once you pay me, I'm going to show right, you right, what right. I have. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, no, you have to show people ahead <laughs> of time what you're capable of and like what you bring to the table. And then out of nowhere, call it luck, call it whatever you mm-hmm. want. There comes the money. And I'll tell you, Kingsford is probably one of my partnerships that that that's the exact path it followed. 
Mm. You know, in 2018, when I was in my backyard in Washington Township with my Weber kettle grill, I had a bag of Kingsford next to me. You know, I mean, I was tagging them. I was doing them. I've, I've cooked with them. I've tagged them so much. It may have been a three to four year process of me using Kingsford and putting my foot down and being like, this is it. I'm just using Kingsford. It's what I've always used. It's what I'm going to continue to use. And at some point, I'm going to work for Kingsford. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work with Kingsford and and we're going to do this and we're going to do it long term. Mm-hmm. And when you see Kingsford, you're going to see Matt Rourke in the same sentence. Um, my boy, Rashid Phillips, big time barbecue guy. He was the runner up on a barbecue battle, you know, or, or barbecue showdown on Netflix. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a rock star and he's a monster. He's like six, seven, just beast. But I have some things coming with him in the next, you know, year or so where hopefully we can collab. But he's a Kingsford guy yeah. and he's been with them for years. It's just it's relationships, man. It's making those connections. And I have my partnership with Kingsford now because of the work I put in for three, four years prior to sign in the deal with them that I did this year. And, you know, yeah, it's it's my my deals specifically pellet, their pellet line of mm-hmm. products. But come September in the fall, they're going to push out another charcoal, you know, another charcoal uh, deal, you know, yeah. that they're going to want to, you know, put out their campaign. Yeah. We'll call it another campaign for charcoal. Who are they going to call? They're going to call me. Yeah, They're going to call Rashid. You know, they're going to call the people that have been with them. And that doesn't happen overnight. Like so much of this stuff we've said, there's so much work involved, you know, Um, from a family standpoint, man. And, you know, you know, because you have the little ones running around all over the place to be able to do what you do and commit this time. This right now is a sacrifice, Mm -hmm. you know, for both of us. And if you're not doing something that causes you to sacrifice things, then I don't know how you become successful Mm -hmm. with it. You know, we certainly are family guys, too. And, you know, we're blessed to have the flexibility and freedom to do these things. But, um, you know, it doesn't come without a price. Right. It doesn't come easy. It doesn't come without catching a little flack from from the misses, you oh, know, yeah. and having to have to deal with it. But, um, you know, I, Kristen, I think her and I can kind of look back and laugh about it now. But it's not something that didn't take work. It's not something that didn't, you know, potentially take counseling and mm-hmm. therapy to, to be able to have these conversations because yeah. this is all new. Like doing a podcast, running a business like this, this is new, Justin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's new for you. It's new for your family. Having a, a, a social media brand that that is making me more money than my teaching job that mm-hmm. I've been doing for 20 years it's new space. It's a new space for me. It's something new for Kristen to figure out. And we've been working on that, you know, five, six years ago when I was spending hours on my phone editing and scrolling and DMing and doing all these things. And she was yelling at me to get off my phone and spend time with the kids or do this and that. And the guilt that I felt when I, you know, daddy, come have a catch. All right, I'll be there in five minutes. Like, I try not to do that anymore. If you ask me to go have a catch, I go have a catch. I can put stuff down now, mm-hmm. but, it, but it was a long road to get there. And, you know, I, I remember even the first time early on when Kristen was like, you know, you're spending too much time on your phone. You got to spend time with the kids. Come have dinner. Shut it down at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. All those things you see on the, you know, these motivational videos that some are good, but some yeah. are just unrealistic. I'm, there's no way I'm putting my phone down at 6 p.m. and shutting it down. Mm-hmm. That could cost me tens of thousands of dollars, sure. yeah. you know? But I said to Kristen real early on, I said, babe, this is going to pay the bills one day. Mm-hmm. And this was before TikTok was what it, what it is. This was before YouTube. This was before I was monetizing anything, before an agent, before a TV show, before anything. And I said it to her and I probably had, we probably had that interaction Three or four times over, you know, that first couple years where I was like, babe, this is going to pay the bills one day. And I think we have finally gotten to a point where our communication is so strong around this and our support for each other is even stronger in that, you know, she was a principal. (laughs) She was talking about responsibility and not just a principal, but she was like a COVID principal, right? She was in education for 13 years, got into administration was an assistant, was a director of education, got to be a principal in Medford right when COVID was happening. She was a principal for six months and then March happened 
uh, you know, 2020 March and shut everything down. And that's all she knew. It got to be too much. It was, she couldn't be a mom. She couldn't be the wife she wanted to be. So we sat and talked and I was in a position, we were in a position as a team for her to be able to retire and, and give it up for the time being. If she wants to go back, she always could. But right now it doesn't look like she needs to. Mm-hmm. And she has passion projects that she's working on, volunteer, charity stuff. And, you know, it's it's been wild, but it all started with my mindset that I was like, I was convinced I'm like this is going to pay the bills one day. And now we're there. Yeah, you, you held know. the vision and you shared it. That's I think that's what people miss, right? Like we keep a lot of those inside and especially our partners, right? Like that's the most important person to share that vision with. But something you said earlier, it, it reminded me of the two of the realest truths I've ever found in my life. And one is that everything's our fault at the end of the day, right? We're in control of way more decisions than we give mm-hmm. ourselves credit for. And two is that everything has a cost, right? To your point, some of my best weeks in business, I'm probably the worst husband and father. Mm-hmm. The weeks that I'm the best husband and father, business probably suffers, right? It's everything, you know, the equal but opposite reaction, right? So let's talk about, so you've, you know, you've built it, you've built this whole following, social media is going well, and now you're having other opportunities. So one of my favorite things that I got to really, like, it was like a family thing, <laughs> was watching you on Next Level Chef. So how did that come to be? And then tell me what were like some of the biggest lessons that you learned being on a TV show, being around other, you know, content creators like Michelin star chefs, an ex NFL athlete. Yeah. I mean, tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, I think, um, you know, man, it changed things so much, uh, you know, go, coming into this whole thing, even going back to 2018, that's when I first created Grork Boys Barbecue as a, as a business. And for so long, and you know, like, because we've done this together, events or whatever, and you've come to my 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 rig and you've had food. And that was always what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be, I got this awesome barbecue rig. You know, I have an investor that believes in me, that supports me, that helped me to get that barbecue rig I have now. And I ordered that and had it built back during COVID. Mm-hmm. And a lot has changed since then. And now I'm in a position where, you know, in the the totem pole of priorities in a crazy way. And it's it it's it's a hard line to figure out because I I look at it in a way and I see a failure. But then I look at it in another way and I see it as a decision that needs to be made out of the fact that I've grown and I've done so much good and created a brand that's bigger than just serving barbecue at a brewery, Mm -hmm. you know, or anything like that. Not that that's, you know, it's something I had a goal to do, but my goal has just changed. So now I'm in a position where I just don't have that time to go do events and, you know, be at breweries selling barbecue. So, you know, I'm in a position now where I need to figure out, am I going to sell the rig and move on and continue doing what I'm doing from this standpoint? And that takes me to the opportunity to be on TV. So these casting companies, they'll reach out to you, you know, especially those that are on social media, they'll send you a DM. And a lot of people, I've gotten so many calls now that I've been on the show, Next Level Chef with Gordon Ramsay, and they're casting for the next two seasons right now. I have people hit me up every day like, yo, I got this email, is it real? Or I got this, you know, DM from this company, this casting company saying they're interested in me applying. And that's what the casting company will do. They'll, you know, they will kind of DM some people that they find are interesting and could be good fits. Um, I'll refer people. I'll say, hey, go, you should apply. I think you'd be good at it. Um, being uh, the the social media person I am and the, the following I had, they reached out to me. They said, hey, we'd love for you to apply. This was like last school year, two school years ago, last spring. And they were like, uh, it was like April. And I questioned it like big time. I'm not a chef. Yeah. Like in this next level chef isn't like barbecue showdown, mm-hmm. you know, with Bobby Flay and, you know, barbecue battle, all those shows where it's barbecue and cooking with fire. And this is like a you're in a kitchen. This is like a chef show. You know, they're, you're dealing with social media chefs, home cooks and professional chefs. So there was a lot of doubt instantly. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I can't do this. I just cook meat. I'm a barbecue guy. And um, I've turned down other opportunities, Um, you know, whether it be barbecue showdown, 
which I had the chance to apply for that a couple years ago and didn't just because it's during the school year that they film. And I never thought I'd be able to just, okay, I'm going to skip out for a month and not mm-hmm. teach and go film a show. Um, but then this opportunity came and I've grown since those other opportunities. So, you know, my priorities have kind of changed and I, I went to Kristen with it, you know, that I've been invited to kind of apply and that's not a guarantee that I would be on, but, um, I told her, I voiced my doubts to her. Like, I'm not a chef. I can't do this. And she's like, oh, you'll figure it out. And at the end of the day, she was like, you know, given all my insecurities about it, she pretty much looked at me and was like, um, I know you can bleep this out if you want, but it was her words. She was like, she goes, Matt, it's Gordon fucking Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. You can't say no to this. Go to your school, go to your superintendent, ask for the paid t- for the unpaid leave, mm-hmm. you know, figure out if it's even possible and start there. If your school supports you, if they do, then you move forward with figuring out how to cook, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> the things that you're not comfortable with. So that's, that's so beautiful not to cut you off, but like they say one of the most important decisions as a man you can make is who you pick as your partner. And the fact that she spoke greatness into you in a time when you were like, your bitch voice was just running uh, wild. Was, right? was, yeah. That is just so key. Okay. Yeah. I mean, she said that and it like clicked. <clears throat> I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. Mm-hmm. It is Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it'd probably be an amazing opportunity. And, you know, even if I do fall on my face and get eliminated episode one, whatever. Um, Which you, you know, didn't. You, you actually just, got an amazing compliment yeah, in yeah, episode one. Yeah, I didn't. One. It was just crazy. If I remember, but, um, Gordon Ramsay said, whoever cooked this, this man knows meat. Knows how to nail his meat. <laughs> That's what go. Gordon said. Yep. So, And I've used that clip plenty of times on my social media now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's uh, more validating yeah, than that, right? I know. So, But she also said to me, when it came to the cooking part, you know, I had a buddy of mine, Noah Sims, who is, uh, he was on uh, MasterChef season 10, which was their 10th anniversary of the show. It was a big season. A couple huge names have come out of it, you know, that weren't even the winner. Um, Noah's amazing. Nick DiGiovanni, quite possibly, you know, the biggest food creator in the world right now, um, you know, who I'm honored and, you know, humbled to be friends with and have learned so much from both of them. But, um, you know, I, I had Noah fly out to my house and Noah's from Georgia. So he flew up and he spent like four days with me. And Kristen allowed this. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> like He spent four days with me. He crashed, you know, in the spare room. And uh, he put me on like a, a freaking cooking crash course for like four days. Nice. Um, going over the French sauces, the mother sauces different tricks of the trade, you know, whether it's chopping and cutting or, you know, cooking methods and, you know, whatever it was. Like, I've never really cooked a duck. Mm -hmm. You know, he taught me how to do that, how to properly render the fat, what pans to use. Like, he just, he taught me so much in those four days. And, you know, it helped me uh, insurmountable the amount of improvement just in that knowledge that I gained over those four days. But, um, you know, Kristen also, again, with just the positive reinforcement from her, my my fear was always those sauces and side dishes and stuff like that, um, but or just messing up in general. And she was like, Matt, look at all the TV shows where it's food competition. In most cases, why do people get kicked out or why do people go to an elimination? Um and I looked at her, I was like, oh, like, why? And she she says, because they either overcook or undercook their protein mm-hmm. or they don't salt their food mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. <laughs> Something as simple as salt. Yeah. It's bland. She goes, your food is not bland, so you're good there. And meat is your, is your superpower. Mm-hmm. That's what you're best at. And that is the biggest reason people go home because it's raw, yeah. right? Which is Gordon's famous line, mm-hmm. right? It's bloody raw. Like, that's not going to be an issue for me. Mm -hmm. So just right there, the amount of confidence that just words can bring you Mm -hmm. put me in a headspace where I'm like, I got this shit. And then at the same time, I'm like, you know what? If I go home first, who cares? But another buddy of mine, Gary, the barbecue chef on social media, he was on season one. He was the barbecue guy on season one. Mm -hmm. And they'll probably, you know, 
tag a, have a barbecue guy every season, you sure. know? And uh, he got eliminated first episode, season one. So I went into all my interviews like, hey, I just got to do better than Gary, <laughs> right? He embarrassed yeah. the barbecue community, yeah. like a joking with him. Sure, sure. And uh, he was a good sport about it, but the casting company loved it. You know, I'm like, yeah. I need to step up for the barbecue community and show that we can do more than just barbecue. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sure enough, I won the immunity pin the first episode. I got to seven episodes, which was halfway through the season. Mm -hmm. It was a 14 episode season. And, and, you know, to get more specific to the questions, man, the people I cooked with, bro, like this crew and, and it goes for anything, right? I can liken it to being part of a team, mm -hmm. basketball team. We're sports guys. We grew up you know, on teams. The the camaraderie, the ball busting, mm -hmm. the support from people that you're even competing against. And you and I are probably such a good example of that because we could be physical, we could be tough, we could we could have words back and forth on occasion. You and I never really did that, but we certainly did with other people Absolutely. we played against. And refs. Yep. But then you can go to the bar and have a drink with them after, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's fine because it's the competition. And that's the perfect way to describe this crew of people that, 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 I, that I competed against and am now like family with, you mm -hmm. know, 17 of them. And, you know, to say that, you know, you're not going to stay in touch with many of them, man, could that be more wrong? Like yeah. we all have a text feed that we're still part of. It's mm -hmm. been, you know, however long since we were together filming. We've all collaborated with each other in different videos. Um, I was just with Tucker, who was the winner of, you know, season season two. I love that you had to play on your plating skills. That yeah, great. dude. That's that so great. we just did a collab video together. She came out and visited and she's gonna be part of a big project that that I have going on with some other people that we'll chit chat about in a mm -hmm. second. But um, you know, that's what we're doing. Like it, as much as the competition was a thing at the end of the day, we all know we can help each other grow and be better, you know, than what we were when we were there. So, um, man, what a crew and to be in the presence of Gordon and Naisha and Richard blaze and to still be able to have their, you know, influence on things. Richard still likes my videos. We'll comment every once in a while. I know that if push came to shove and I sent him a DM and needed something or mm -hmm. saw an opportunity that he would most likely respond. Mm -hmm. It's priceless, man. The, the, the relationships that you build are absolutely the biggest part of being able to grow and build something bigger than just a social media presence. And that's what this is for me. It's about you know, if two years from now, no one ever says a word about me having five, six, seven million followers, I could care less. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be about there's going to be so many, so much bigger, so many more opportunities coming, you know, that we're kind of putting our nose to the grindstone and building, you know, to create this content our way and to be able to control the monetization and do all those things. And you see it with these mentors we had, mm -hmm. you know, Gordon, Blaze. Naisha, they don't need social media. Yeah. You know, they've built this stuff. They've built their brands from the ground up. Mm -hmm. Social media is a tool in the tool belt, right? And that's what I try to hold on to. That's why I haven't retired from teaching, yeah. you know, because I know that it could be gone tomorrow. It could be done tomorrow. It could flop and my content could just nosedive for whatever reason. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't. But, you know, here we are and, yeah. and you just kind of roll with it. It was so, you know, ironically, my favorite episode was actually the one you got eliminated, mm. right? So a little ball busting, but mm. you know, we learned that filleting a fish is not your strength, which Dude. is okay. I'm sure you've been working on it since. But the way that you went out, you know, I think speaks to the volume of the man that you are. So you were, to, I'll probably botch some of this, but I believe you were one of the older uh, yeah. folks on yeah. the, the I, show. I think after three episodes, I was the oldest. You were the old head. Because I think the first, the first few that were eliminated – Kamala, Kamalia, um, Alex, and Mark McMillan, uh, former yeah. Eagle, mm -hmm. were the three that were older than me. Okay. Oh, and Daryl. Uh, those four. And they were, I think, the first, first four, four to go. To go. Yeah. So after those first four, I was the oldest. So I kind of, you know, like to think that amongst some of the younger, you know, crew, my boy Nuri, 
Teeny, who are both just doing incredible things. My boy Chris, who was the hothead, yeah, you know, kicking, I enjoyed him. kicking elevators always, and shit. I just like loved his intensity. Yeah, like that's my dude, man. Yeah. And you know, I, I we we're all intense. Mm-hmm. So like I I I vibed with him, mm-hmm. but I also knew how to calm him down. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I kind of hope I taught him a little bit how to center that you know intensity in a positive way. And he made it to the finale, and he yeah. was as close to winning as anybody. So. But yeah. the uh, who was what was the young man's name that you went against? He was the youngest Preston. in the group. Preston. Preston, yeah, nineteen years old, man. So you actually made one of your best dishes, I believe. Yeah. Blaze had said lobster, uh, and yep. uh, they wound up going with Preston. Yep, split and, decision. And you had said such a beautiful thing as you were exiting that you know, <clears throat> as a teacher, you know, you really enjoy the impact that you make on the future generations. Mm-hmm. And you knew that you were going home and you were living the dream and you hoped Preston found his dream yeah. through the show. Yeah. I mean, to to lose, to have all of that emotion and to say something so prolific like that and so impactful, I just, like I said, I think that's a, a beautiful summary of who you are and what your intentions and ambitions are. So just wanted to share that for folks who maybe didn't see it. Yeah. But, but check that out because you'll probably cry too. My wife and I were like so distraught. <laughs> we're like, there's no way he's going home. But I mean, hearing the, that like made us feel even better because yeah, you are I mean, living the dream. This is a kid that at 19 years old won the world championships of food um, last year before he mm. went on the show. Just incredibly skilled, so talented, so driven. And to see that as I'm competing against him, wanting to win, right? Like I'll never pull any punches. Like I wanted to kick his ass out of there because he's 19 at the same time and he has the world at his fingertips. Mm. You know, I wouldn't have felt too bad if I sent him home. The kid's 19. You know, it's like the 23-year-old bachelorette or bachelor that get eliminated on the show. Mm -hmm. And they're in the the car crying their eyes out like, what's going to happen? I never thought like, oh, he dumped me. What am I going to do with my life? Like, like, sweetheart, you're 23. You're beautiful. Yeah. You're going to be okay. You'll have another iPad. Like, you're going to be fine. So if I would have sent him home, I would have been fine with it. But um, at the same time. My my most difficult. Maybe there's a lesson in this. Um, you know, prior to that show, uh, we got the chance to you know practice a little bit of fillet and fish, just regular size fish, which I can. I'm great at that. I've never filleted a 40 pound fish. <laughs> I think it was a monster. It was a monster. And cod has such a tough skin, mm. like in so the shape, it's bony, and it was just a mess. I freaking hatched it up, but um, we still got what we needed from it. Mm. But it was just like a snowball rolling down a hill, man. I, I felt it from the beginning, and it just – I couldn't get back on track. But, you know, they edit stuff. And at the end, when I did say what I said as I left, I also said to uh, Gordon and them that, you know, as bad as today was for me, it was probably the most fun I had mm. in the entire show that day because sometimes when shit is going bad – you just got to lean into it, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's going to be a lesson you're going to pull from it. And that's what I did. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how I kept my calm. I don't know how I laughed in the face of just an utter disaster that that episode was. I mean, I'm cooking and I'm like already thinking how they're going to edit this thing. Right. (laughs) I'm like, this is friggin' terrible. (laughs) I had to deep fry. I had to throw my fish in the deep fryer to get it done. You know, like it was just brutal. But I laughed and I had fun with it and my teammates all picked me up. And at the end, I told Gordon, I said, this has been my worst day by far, but it's the day that I probably will look back on as the most fun. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to say for that. Um, You know, I can't say that I necessarily went into the show thinking I was going to win, but the experience that I had is is what, you know, I had hoped for. And, and I think the connections and the relationships that have come from it are going to continue to build opportunities for me. And yeah, man, if you ever question doing anything, like no risk, no reward, man. Yeah. And that's, you know, that goes back to our parents probably saying that kind of stuff to us, you know, so. Absolutely. While we're on this emotional journey, I want to I want to point out one other post and then we'll get to talking about what's cooking yeah. uh, to kind of wrap up. But. So one of your posts earlier, you know, it's it's not all barbecue and fun and games all the time, but you had posted about some of the fertility issues that you and yeah. Kristen had. Uh, and something very beautiful came of that with your students. Um, go ahead, go into that story. Yeah, so that was back in, yeah, that was back in 2017. 
Uh, and that was that long ago? Yeah, like Six dude. years ago. Yeah, Jesus. yeah, because Adric is, Adric's nine, Nash is seven. He'll be eight sooner than later. And uh, yeah, our our third would have been Kanan. And yeah, he would be, he would be about six now. Mm. Yeah, so um, it's, it's wild, but Kanan was our fifth loss um, in seven pregnancies over the course of the years that we were trying. Um, you know, we lost three, we had Adric and Nash, and then we lost another two. Um, the last one uh, through in vitro, we did IVF um, for a different reason than most, right? Most do IVF because they just can't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in a different position. We couldn't hold the pregnancy, right? Getting pregnant wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'd look at her and she'd get pregnant <laughs> like seven times of, yeah. uh, you know, getting pregnant wasn't the issue. It was getting through that first trimester and holding the pregnancy that was the issue. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the, the doctors recommended that maybe we do in vitro control the environment more, have more control over that, the meds, the shots, all that stuff. We did it. And this was after four losses. So, you know, we did our first round of IVF and it didn't take. Um, so, you know, heartbreaking defeat, uh, money, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. So then we get through, you know, have the conversation. Do we go for round two? Um, do we have the money to to do it again? And we did. We figured out what we had to do. We scraped together what we needed. And emotionally, we felt like we had one more shot in us. So we did. And, you know, being a little bit older, Kristen isn't, you know, bringing out 18 eggs either, mm-hmm. you know. So we were limited in that sense. I think we had like three or four that she was able to get. And uh, one worked and uh, she got pregnant. And we started that process. She was on the shots. I was poking needles in her belly and and all that kind of stuff. And so many people relate to this. Um, And you don't realize it until you talk about it, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm so happy to talk about it, you know, in a crazy way. But, um, you know, we got pregnant and we got through that first trimester, which was our like, okay, take a deep breath. You're always worried about it. But. Um, you know, we got to week 12, week 14, week 15, and we were rolling along and everything was great. All our appointments were great. And then we got to like week 16, um, right around there. And we had an appointment and I left school and met her and I had to take Adric with me, which our kids, Adric and Nash would never come to appointments with us just because we knew, you know, it could be emotional. So, um, but Adric was at daycare at the high school, so I had to pick him up and take him with me. So he was actually at the appointment with me, with us. And we went in and, you know, long story short, Kristen, Kristen had a little bit of an issue. The It was on a Monday. Uh, that weekend, she kind of wasn't feeling him kicking, moving around as much. So she was on the phone like Saturday. Um, Wednesday was the appointment, but Saturday, Sunday, she was worried. I think it was Sunday night. So, like, she called the doctor, but she couldn't get in for a quick scan to see if everything was okay. They said, you know, come Wednesday, just go upstairs, get quiet, lay down, see if you feel. And she felt him a little bit, and she, so she felt a little better. And then, you know, work, Monday goes by, Tuesday goes by. She's not really thinking about it that much. We go to our appointment Wednesday and no heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, so some sort of clot or something, they'll never be able to say exactly why, but some sort of clot cut off the airflow and, you know, uh, lost Canaan. So that was the fifth, the furthest along, you know, they're all devastating, but each has their own story. Right. Um, and it was killer. So we both missed a decent amount of school. I was in health at the time teaching juniors and, uh, you know, I missed like a week or so. And I went back cause Kristen had to go through the whole surgery process and everything. Having two kids already, they were both in daycare at the high school. All my kids knew Adric and Nash, mm-hmm. social media stuff. They all knew the kids. They were in the building with me all the time. They knew that we were pregnant. They knew, you know, my kids knew everything. Sure. So when I wasn't there for a week, when I came back, it was like they knew something was up and they could probably see it. But as a health teacher, <clears throat> I was like, the only way I could think of dealing with this, considering that they know something's up, like you don't just miss a week of school as a teacher. Um, you know, without 
kids know and why. So I sat down in health class. I pulled my chair up. I told all my classes five times. Five times I told that story that I just told in school in front of all my kids. I pulled a chair up. I sat down. Some of them cried. I cried, you know, Uh, a couple days goes by and a couple days goes by and my um, my third period class comes up, hands me a card and it had two Sixers tickets and they all signed it and they said, thanks for teaching us, you know, to keep your head up and push through and, you know, all this. We love you. And I'm like crying, friggin' reading the card in front of the class. They took a video of it and then they asked me if they could post it on Twitter. I'm like, sure. And it went a little viral Mm -hmm. and people started reaching out. And at the time I was just starting on social media to grow Instagram really. And, um, you know, from there I had a couple, you know, news stations reached out, wanted to hear the story. Um, I had reached out to a contact with the with the Sixers and kind of wanted to flip the whole thing on its head and uh, say thank you to my kids, my students. So I turned it into a um, field trip and I got approval from from the school. They've all been so supportive. Um, so we turned it into a field trip and I brought my whole class to the game. The Sixers donated 30 tickets in a suite to bring my whole class with me. Uh, I got chaperones coming. Some parents came, and the news came. Fox came with us and followed us. ABC or ABC, I think it was, uh, came, and uh, they did a whole story on the whole thing. And through that, a meat company, uh, meat purveyor, reached out to me uh, and told me they wanted to donate, you know, money towards or meat towards me throwing a barbecue for my kids. And I was like, well, I can't just throw a barbecue for thirty kids. I, I have a school of. 2,500 students, um, I'd get killed for that. So he said, whatever you need. And then other donations started coming in. I put it out on social media. The response was crazy. We did a fundraiser barbecue for the home opener football game at Township. And we sold barbecue pork, uh, pulled pork and bag of chips and water for 10 bucks. Unfortunately, the game, there was a monsoon and the game got canceled before the national anthem was even played, but we had sold a hundred sandwiches to that point. So we raised a thousand bucks. And then I put on social media that I had pans of pork for sale and people came out in the rain, in the storm to pick up food and give me money. And we ended up raising almost four grand, you know, for a few different, you know, charities, one, uh, cleft lip and palate, which my older son was born with and, uh, epilepsy, uh, foundation for the Bolendorf family, who is our principal superintendent at Washington Township, who you know, and uh, MS, which my stepmom has MS. So um, yeah, that's what started it, man. Yeah. Like, like that's what started the company because in order to do that and do it legit, I had to have a business. I had to have my food handlers, you know, certificate. I had to have all that stuff, the health department inspection. So I went through that whole process and did it. And that, you know, the first Quirk Boys barbecue event was a fundraiser. And, you know, I like to say to this day, that's still a huge part. And, you know, I, the, really, I, I hope it's the only part is at some point with everything else I have going on. If I do sell my barbecue rig, the part of that, the food service part that will stick will be my work with foundations and things like that. So I've done a lot with veterans groups, you know, still work with them quite a bit. Anytime the township needs anything, you know, I'm always there. So yeah. It's an amazing story. It was wild, bro. Triumph, you it's know? wild. So let's, uh, so quickly we're, uh, so, so Joe doesn't kill me in there. I know we're, we're a little <laughs> over our time, but these stories are too great. Kind of knew it would be. Yeah. What, um, You've been teasing all of your followers with this what's cooking, yep. right? I've been on the website. I've signed up. I'm yep. like, when am I going to get some <laughs> info? So let us know what's cooking and what is next. So, yeah. Pork. So, you know, I have a I have a rub line, Rub City, rubcity.com. You can go and get any of my rubs and seasonings. Uh, we hope that only grows. But with my Rub City partners, we started um, amongst other, you know, about six other, five other amazing social media guys that are just the pinnacle of success and growth on social media. They each have their own multi-million number amount of followers that are just committed to what they do and hang on every word. So we all got together and uh, you can you can sign up at whatarethecooking.com uh, to get 
notified when this whole thing is going to launch, but we are working on a huge project that will launch hopefully the end of August, early September. Uh, limited on what I can talk about it, but if you see any of our social media, you'll get little hints. And uh, yeah, essentially, we are going to take control of our content um, and put it out there the way we want. And it will monetize the way we want. We will collab with the people we want and put out some education and fun and, you know, literally anything and everything you want to know about barbecue, grilling in your backyard and open fire cooking. Uh, we have an absolute pro in, you know, the man when it comes to Argentinian style cooking, Al Fragoni, um, who if you find him on social, it's like he, his stuff is insane. We have the, you know, the man when it comes to offset smoking, Jeremy Yoder, who just has an insane following. And uh, yeah, what are they cooking.com? Sign up. And uh, we are going to change the entire playing field in terms of content and how it's brought to you. And uh, yeah, can't wait for that. And uh, once it once we drop this thing and the news breaks, I'll have to come back on and we'll talk more about it. I will definitely have to because I don't <laughs> even think I made it through half the questions uh, I had jotted down man. for you. But I really do. I greatly appreciate your time. I know you've been back and forth coast to coast. So being here in person means a ton to me. Uh, make sure if you don't follow Matt at Gork Boys Barbecue on every platform. Um, and make sure, like, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you keep up to date with all the new episodes. And uh, we gratefully, uh, great, greatly appreciate your time today. And as always, best day ever, y'all.